What is going on, everybody? I am Greg Hellback, and my co-host, Michael Pinter, and I are bringing you another episode of the New York Real Estate Investing Show. This show is all about how to be successful in New York State, one of the best places and one of the most difficult places to do business in. And each and every week, Michael and I are going to bring awesome content to everybody who wants to learn how to do this business successfully in New York. Between the both of us, we have done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of deals. We've made millions of dollars and we've also made a ton of mistakes. So if you want to try your best to avoid those mistakes, definitely take a listen to this podcast. Every single week, we are going to provide actionable tactical steps on how you can be successful investing in the Empire State of New York. Stay tuned and welcome to the show. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Greg Helbeck, Michael Pinter here. We are both reporting to you from Southern California once again, and uh, we're doing the New York show from California. So today's topic is going to be something that not a lot of people really talk about, especially in uh, 2021 as we're recording this, and it is buying properties from auction. And uh, Michael Pinter, fortunately, has done this many times, and he knows what he's doing when it comes to doing this, especially in New York. So I figured we'd add this because, you know, if you know what you're doing and, and you have you're committed to doing this auction system, you can you can make some money doing this for sure. You got to know what you're doing. So um, we've sp spent a lot of time talking about direct marketing and different channels and all that. But I feel like if we cover auction properties, at least maybe someone who doesn't really resonate with marketing and they really resonate with this might be able to get some help. So Michael, um, before we get into the nuts and bolts on it, just kind of give everyone how like your your background and how you kind of got into this auction system back when you were you know. Buying sure. houses 10 years ago. So about 10 years ago when I started, I really did not know. Um, I didn't understand the concept of marketing at all. And I started to simply go to foreclosure auctions in my county, in Nassau County. So they're held on Tuesday. And I went every Tuesday for four years and bought more properties every year there. Till it really got to a point where I realized I couldn't scale the business. I couldn't control. We could talk about why you can't really control what you buy at an auction. But um, it was it got it got my business rolling right. For me, I didn't understand the concept of going direct to seller. I thought wholesalers were knuckle dragging Neanderthals who just found some guy who bought it at auction and made a little bit of money from him. Um, my opinion on that changed dramatically about six years ago, and I still have a different opinion about that. But I feel that everybody who's getting into this business should go to their local auctions or for you know go for. for I don't know how often they do them, but go to four or five, six, seven auctions because you get a feel for what prices go for to people who are going to rehab them. I think it's good. Um, and also there is something called that uh, there are online auctions from a few sites. Um, I used to buy properties online auctions also. So the sites that in New York uh, that are the most uh, popular are Zone, that's X-O-M-E. There is uh, auction and there is hubzoo.com. And I bought properties on all of them. Um, and I don't do that anymore, although I find myself getting dragged in. And to me, it's a huge rabbit hole. And we can talk more about why it's a rabbit hole for me. But it's interesting to see what prices go for. And you, you can follow an auctionaire without really bidding um, and seeing what price, what, what properties go for. And that's helpful in your knowledge of what you can wholesale properties for or what you can buy them for if you want to rehab them. Yeah, no, for sure. Now, when it comes to the auctions, this is where I, I'm sure the listeners have some questions like the whole like so so basically for what the listeners want to kind of put some context in with the listeners 
when you're on an auction, it's essentially everyone can see the same thing. There's nothing really hiding the fact that this property is going to be auctioned off. When you're going direct to seller, the difference is that not everyone knows that property is for sale. You know, maybe there's three or four investors who they're talking to, but nobody knows about it. If they do, they may or may not be in contact with the seller that you got in contact with. And that is really the huge, huge advantage. Huge. Yeah. So how, now when it comes to like what you were doing or what you would do if you wanted to do this again, like how do you kind of separate yourself from, from you know, like not separate yourself because really there's not a lot of separating, but like how do you kind of make the auction successful? Because in this scenario, you're literally in a public situation where there is literally thousands of people sure. potentially looking at that house. So, so first of all, let's talk about what, what, what it means when something goes to auction. Right? Yes, yes, yes. When you yes. auction um, in your county, it means that 99% of the time a lender, occasionally other lien holders, but usually a lender, has foreclosed on the property and they're going through the foreclosure process. They're at the end of the foreclosure process and the county has approved them to sell the property at auction. The, 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 the complicated part about auctions, there's two complications, complicated parts about auctions. Actually three. The first is that you're gonna get a list of what's supposed to be scheduled to go to that auction. So in Nassau County, there's two providers of this list. There's a property shark, and then there's a company called LI Profiles. And they'll give you a list on Thursday of everything scheduled to go on to on Tuesday. And in a lot of places, you can go to Property Shark or you can find that the auction uh, list may be available for free, but you may have to pay a provider. The problem is that a lot of things that are scheduled to go even a day before are going to get adjourned or canceled. And that can happen for a host of reasons, right? What does right. that mean for the listener? What does adjourn mean? Gets, it's not that was scheduled to be auctioned on Tuesday, but when you get there, it's not on the list to be to be okay. auctioned. And it can happen for a host of reasons. So it can happen because the borrower paid off the loan, right? They came up with cash and paid off the loan or they reinstated the loan. They paid off what was owed and now it's not going to go to auction for a while if they don't make any payments. It can happen because the lender messed up their paperwork or the lender's attorney messed up the paperwork and they just don't have the proper paperwork to show the county clerk. And it can happen also where if the, borrower declares bankruptcy, right? That happened to me. I bought a property at 11.15 on a Tuesday and the guy had declared bankruptcy at like 10.59. So <clears throat> when you declare bankruptcy, it delays the auction. It doesn't make it go away, but it, basically the property's not there. And by the way, in that case, I bought it. I had to give a deposit. I had to get the deposit back for four months, which is nuts. So that's the first complication. First complication is you get a list. You think it's, it's legit, but a lot of the things are not going to show up. The second complication is most lenders have an upset price, which is the minimum uh, number they would take. And they don't usually give it out. Now, maybe in other counties they do, but in Nassau County, the only place to get the upset price was from the plaintiff's attorney, that's the bank's attorney. And I think only two out of maybe 20 attorneys would ever give you an upset price if you call them. I don't know why they do that. I think it's stupid, but that's how they do it. So very often you might have, you might find this great property that you want and you think it's, you know, you're gonna pay $300,000 for it but the bank's upper price, upset price is $600,000. That happens all the time. So you do all this research <coughs> on this huge list. Half the, most of the list is gone. And then a huge portion of that list, the, not, the number that, that the bank needs is ridiculously, or even if it's a, a $10,000 higher than you want to pay, it's higher than you want to pay. Sometimes it's crazy. Like you would hear, I remember uh, on, on dozens of occasions where everybody was looking to buy a property, and then they, they came out with the upset price and it was like hundreds of thousands of more and everybody will go, what, what? Like everybody just like didn't understand. So that's the second complication. You don't know what the bank's minimum is. And the third complication is 
you can always get outbid. So if you want to pay a maximum of $300,000, there can be some bozo in a seat in a, in a row, two, two rows in front of you, who'll pay $400,000 for it. And that can happen on every single property, right? The way we all figure out our numbers are not the same, right? And there were people who I thought were overpaying significantly because my thinking a lot of those times was that I can't, oh, another thing is you can't get into most of these properties you can't get into. You get inside? You, most of them you can't get into. 95% you can't get into because usually they're occupied. And even if they aren't occupied, the bank locks it up and doesn't give access. Maybe 5%. So you can only do a drive-by. So I was always assuming we need a full renovation, but there were guys there who would knock on the door, who would take a peek inside. You know, they, In that case, they would have information that other people would have. There was one time where I went to a property and the back door was open. I went in and it was in much better shape than I thought. And I, I got, and I won that auction because I knew I could pay more than other. You knew, yeah, because you knew it didn't need all the work. Yeah, right. I knew, I knew that I could hotel it, and I, and I, and I assigned my bid uh, to a retail buyer. In that case, it was closing all cash. So, um, I so so there were people who, over the years who I thought oh, were paying too much, but very often when I looked, they, they 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 actually made money. Like they, the key to really doing well in the auction, which is a difficult thing to say, is to have information other people don't have. Right. So knowledge of what's going on inside knowledge of uh, what's going on with the occupants, right? There's also a big difference if the occupants are the owners of the, the property that just got foreclosed on or whether they're tenants of the owner or whether they're like family members of the owner. Those things all affect in New York how long of a notice you're going to have to give them uh, on the eviction. So if it's the owner, you're actually better off. If it's a, a bona fide tenant, you have to give them much more notice. So a lot of the keys to doing well at the auction is getting information that other people don't have. Um, but like I said, it's complicated because of those three things that you, I, I used to spend like 40 to 50% of my week on the auctions and very often I wouldn't buy anything. You know, and after a while I said, this is just insane, right? I'm, I'm running around like a chicken without a head on a Mondays, driving, making a hundred phone calls to see if these properties are still on the calendar for the Tuesday. Then I'm driving around, trying to get in, trying to see them. And then come Tuesday, Half the things that they told me were on the calendar got, got adjourned from between Monday and Tuesday. And then another half of them, the upset price was too high. And then the other half, people would outbid me. So it's it's a difficult, if it's your if it's your only source of, of, of product, it's a difficult situation. And what we're seeing now, because we're now, we're in October of 2021, the auctions haven't taken place in Nassau County since March of 2020. So there are people who only get deals from auctions, who haven't been able to get a deal for 18 months. A lot of those people are on my list and they, now they're coming to me and begging me for, for, for product because they haven't gotten a new house in a long time. So auctions are complicated in that. I think it's good to go to, to see how the process works. But if you are competing with a lot of people who are probably a lot more sophisticated than you, if you're starting, if you're new, um, it's a hard way to build a business because it's, it's, it's reasonable that you'll go there for a year and, not, and buy very little. Interesting. And it seems like it'd be even harder down to wholesale that property because you're not really in control of the sale. Unlike when you're in direct to seller, you're in full control of the sale. So um, I'll tell you there, one part of it is really easy in that the, the plaintiff's attorney has no problem with you just assigning the bid. They don't ask questions. If you want to just assign the bid, which is, I guess, assigning this, this, um, Price the contract, right? Whatever. So, so let's just say so bid. So the way it works is at the at the at the at Nassau County, you bid, let's say three hundred thousand dollars, and you win. You have to give thirty thousand dollars immediately, and then they say they'll close within thirty days. But sometimes it takes longer. But you have to have um, bank checks or cash, 
at the closing with you. I mean, there are guys walking around there with a couple hundred thousand dollars in cash. And, um, and then it's weird because some referees won't take cash. Some referees like cash. Um, what I used to do is I used to take bank checks and I used to uh, have them made out to myself. And then when I got there, I would just assign them over. Nine out of 10 referees were okay with that. Some referees weren't okay with that. So you see somebody win an auction, talk to the referee, and then they put it back up for auction because the referee wouldn't accept the method of a payment that the guy had. So it's that's those kind of stupid things. But once you uh, pay them and you get all your paperwork, the plaintiff's attorney does not care if you assign the bid to another entity at a profit. They don't care. So that's the easy part. You don't have to deal with the seller. The hard part is that you're competing with other people, many of whom are ready to re are ready to rehab. So the idea that you're going to get it so cheap that you can then make a spread um, is less likely. When yeah. You and this is, I, I think we spoke before, Brad Chandler, who's an express home buyer, is a great guy out of the D.C. area. He basically explained to me, he goes, listen, you're competing with other guys who are all rehabbers. If you want to go to wholesale and you have to go direct to seller. That was like a real light bulb in my head that went up six years ago. And now I realize that it's true. Now, when I buy, when I go direct to seller, I can buy it at a deep enough discount that I have a spread to send to, 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 to assign it to a rehabber. But if you're in a room full of a thousand rehabbers, if whatever the rehabber price is, that's what they're going to bid. It's unlikely you're going to be able to get it for 20, $30,000 less. Unlikely. It's possible. Possible you'll get it and it's in better condition. It's possible you'll, they think it's occupied and maybe you pay somebody off to leave. It's possible, but it's unlikely. And uh, switching from buying at the auction to going direct to seller has been something that makes me very, very happy. Oh yeah. And it sounds like the auction from like, I'm just kind of like letting you explain it. And then I'm trying to synthesize it. It seems like if you can get two or three properties a year from the auction and that makes you another 50, 60 grand a year. Great. But it doesn't sound like at this stage of where we're at in the market of in 2021, that this is a, a viable, at least in New York, maybe you could do this nationwide or whatever, but you know, that still seems kind of like so, a crapshoot. I think that, like I said, I had to spend two days a week on this auction every week. I was there Tuesday the whole day because the auction can go to like 4 p.m. And I spent my entire money doing research. Right? There are guys who do research starting on Thursday. I think that's nuts because so many of those properties are going to get adjourned between Thursday and Monday. I didn't start my research till Monday morning. But Monday morning, I was hitting the phones, calling every plaintiff's attorney, saying, hey, is this? can you tell me what's still on the on the list? And then looking at what's on the list, I'd go drive around, see it, check it out. So I was, that's a lot of work. That's 40% of your week for something that's unknown. So I would not recommend going into this saying, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to start buying on auction. I would recommend going to the auctions to see who the players are, to see what prices things trade at. You can take notes and then check out the properties. I think it's, it's good research for you, but to go buy it at auction is very hard. And when I, when I started doing the auctions, so that was like 2013. I got there and there were maybe 50 to 75 people there. And everybody there was bitching and moaning at how many people were there. Oh, five years ago, we would all just go, you take this one, you take that one, I'll take this one. And they were bitching. By the time I left in 2016, um, there was like 800 people there. Like you couldn't in Nassau get County alone? Yeah. They had oh. to switch rooms. They needed a bigger room, <laughs> a bigger courthouse. And, and it was crazy because they had jury selection that day and they had to tell the jurors to get out and people to come in. And it was it was crazy. And big groups came in of guys that were all talking Urdu or Farsi. And I don't know what the hell was going on half the time. And um, and it got even harder, right? And you, again, you're, you're dealing with guys, you're competing against guys, some of whom, you know, have a lot, have deep, deep, deep pockets, right? You guys are rich, yeah. They don't mind overpaying something and sitting on it. 
you know, if you are somebody who doesn't want to buy something and then sit on it for two years, you know, you may not have the the same wherewithal that a lot of those guys do. So I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend it as a process to build the business, right? If people have asked me how to start. I never tell them go to auction. I say go to auctions just to check it out. It's interesting. You'll learn. I said, but don't expect to bid anything. If you're buying something there, you're probably a sucker in the room. And there are times when people, you know, sometimes a, a, a lien will come up and it's a second lien. And and th- we have to talk about this, this is important because there's a huge advantage in New York over other things. But if a second lien holder goes to auction, they're going to sell it subject to the first lien and they don't tell anybody. And if it's a big second lien, like three, $400,000, there are guys that'll go, shit, this property's worth $800,000. I'll be happy to pay $400,000 for it. But what they don't know is that there's an $800,000 first lien on it that nobody told them about. And sometimes if a friend, somebody will go, hey, they'll go, don't, don't buy it. And the guy will go, why are you going to go second lien? They'll go, oh, shit. And then like as you're walking up there, he'll, he'll say, I'm out. That happens sometimes. But I've seen people go up there and screw up. And also like there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's auctions uh, by the HOA. So if it's a condo, the HOA mm-hmm. can auction the property. But that's also subject to the first lien so people to the bank to like so it's subordinate to the bank debt basically um no it's it's ahead of the bank debt but they but they don't pay off the bank debt it's a weird it's a weird dynamic but one what of the, the greatest things, one of the weird yeah because if you buy a first thing they automatically take care of the second lien. yeah so maybe the hoa is subordinate to the first thing i don't know but one of the things in new york that i took for granted i didn't realize is that when you buy things in new york except those weird instances i just gave you where it's a second lien foreclosure which is very rare or yeah. a or a HOA foreclosure almost every time so 90 over 99% of the time the lender had the seller has to pay off all the liens on the property so you don't have to run title on it so i was talking to a guy who did like 50 deals a month in in florida we he had to run title on every single property beforehand because in florida when you buy something and i actually sold something for once it's subject to everything so if the guy has a $100,000 tax lien tax lien from 7 years ago it gets attached to the property. You buy the property, you're stuck with that. You're going to have to pay that off before you sell it. If you don't run title, you won't even know it. In New York, we take for granted everything comes clean and easy. So um, that's a big deal, a huge advantage in New York. I remember the guy telling me he runs title. And I'm like, why the hell do you run title? He goes, because I got enough to send any liens. I go, I'm thinking, and I'd only be doing this like a year or two. I'm like, am I missing something here? And I finally called the attorney. He goes, no, in New York, everything gets clean, cleared off. You don't have to worry about it. Wait a minute. So in Florida, so let's say for example, I want in just most states, I mean, most states. If you're going to an auction, you have to you have to run some kind of preliminary title to see what's going on there. So if I'm buying a house off auction, let's say from Wells Fargo, and all of a sudden there's like 95 mechanics liens, there's a Solar City lien, there's a you know a, a you know a divorce lien, child support <laughs> that just comes with the property. <laughs> yeah. What? So think, about, think about what a sucker you'd be if you went to other oh. states went to the auction, didn't run title, thought you got the greatest deal, and then found out you had a million dollars attached to it that you're stuck with now, right? Yeah, you it's in a liquid house. You're done. You can't sell exactly. it. Exactly. I remember I had a situation oh. in um, oh my God. In Florida where I sold something, and it was subject to, and I thought I, like, I thought I like broke even, but I didn't realize that it was sold subject to some other lien. I ended up making a lot more money than I thought, so. It's just weird how in New York, almost nothing gets done subject to like the title company in New York, they don't run the transaction, but they're, they're really two jobs. One job is to make sure all the liens are paid off by yeah. the seller. And the second one is to make sure all the taxes are paid off. So that's it. So that gets done in New York on almost every deal, especially at auction. You get a clean of, of, of all encumbrances. 
That's a huge, that's interesting because it's funny you say that because I, I have actually done stuff in Texas. Now think I'm thinking about what you just said. And there were some, there was some garbage on title. And I remember we had to like, it, it wasn't a bank on, but it was, it, that's interesting. Cause wow. Yeah. That, it's funny. You say that with New York because everyone gives New York a tough time. Oh, you got all these attorneys huge, and you got to do all this shit. Advantage. One of the biggest advantages in New York, you don't even realize it because the people, and people just assume that they're going to have to figure out this title stuff in other states. In New York, it's irrelevant. Like, you don't want the deal to die because there's a title thing where a lien that the guy can't pay off. But if it dies, you get your deposit back, and you don't. You're not. You're not done. You're not entitled to. Yeah. You do That's this in huge. North Carolina. I don't know the, all the states, but if you do this in Florida, and the guy's got a million dollar tax lien, you're never selling that property. That's it. Unless you can negotiate it down. Significant. That's crazy. That's the thing I love. It's funny you say that because I, I look at, you know, obviously I still glance at the contracts that get signed or whatever. And, um, you know, I always look for two things in the contract in New York. It's number one, do they have specific performance in my favor? Number two is specific performance in their favor, which it never is just the deposit. And number three, if title is not clear, I get my deposit back. As long as, those you know, then the assignment's kind of like icing on the cake, but I don't really give a shit if it's a good deal. But uh, see, that's that's Michael. <laughs> that's funny. We're, we're like, if you're not watching this on YouTube, someone walked by me, Caroline walked by me and she didn't know I was doing a podcast. She was like, what the hell? Anyway, um, but those are the three things I look for because I've actually, you know, this is a, on a side note here. We're kind of going on a tangent, but Frank Sanchez, who probably listens to the show. Frank, if you're listening, what's going on, man? Um, he bought a property one time. This was a mess. I think I'm, I don't know if I've told you this before. So he bought a property in Connecticut. Connecticut's a little bit different. It's, it's like similar, but a little bit different. This guy buys a property and in the contract, I think his attorney like fucked him over or something. But basically it said that if the buyer defaults, the seller can sue the buyer for specific performance, which was like, it was like 350 grand or something. And there was an oil tank that was, that was basically like, you know, dormant and there was leaking. So he said, I'm going to walk away. And they got in this massive lawsuit over this. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, have you seen that in other States? I've seen it. You got to be careful. Yeah. Listen, that's why you need to go to. Yeah. I know people that'll, that'll scrounge and bitch about 500 bucks or a thousand dollars on attorney. And guess what? 99 out of hundred times, it's almost irrelevant what attorney use, but that one deal that goes bad. Oh, everything. I had a situation where I had a hundred thousand dollar deposit recently on a deal and the just one like literally one word in the contract uh we decided not to buy it there was a title issue and but we the the the, my attorney had written up a clause basically saying clear of all i don't know what the hell it was blah 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 and utility easements and what it was is there was a scenic easement if you just not put the word utility and just put easements i'd be at a hundred thousand dollars but we had that to hang so i went to a litigator he goes yeah it's not the same and we argued and we got the whole hundred thousand dollars back. So I'm saying your attorney is, is it's almost like insurance, right? You could pay insurance your whole life and never ever need it and say, well, why the hell did I pay? What the hell did I premium pay? For? But that one time it's worth every penny. And it's not the truth is attorneys are worth more for a lot of things they do because they make every transaction either difficult or easy as best they can. But when it's really when things really hit the fan, you want an attorney that you can feel good about, not some attorney you you Google cheapest attorney in my county. Oh. Okay, yeah, especially if you're buying auction properties too, if there's any like, because you're, you're dealing with a lid, like a foreclosure is a lawsuit, you know? So you got even more, you know, yeah. 
you got to know what you're doing. And that, that's interesting because I found like, I, I'll give you an example of this today. So this is like a hybrid show, like auctions and then, you know, how to not get fucked. Basically, <laughs> the closing yeah, that, should be, that should be the title of, our, of, of an episode. How to not get fucked. You know, that'll get the listeners in there. You know, all the Christian based listeners will pump this show right off the uh, right off the ledge there. But you have hey, to write F uh, asterisk C-K-E. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You know, this is funny. Quick side note here. Um, this is I'm just going to say this because it was it was it was it, I, I thought it was like I, I made it funny, but it wasn't that funny. So I, I, I'll say the F-bomb every once in a while. I'm not one of these guys who's going to be like sounding like a truck driver or anything like that. But I was on the phone with this guy and he told me he was from Utah. And I started saying the F word a lot. And like, I, because he got, he said he was talking about something that I was passionate. I said like three F-bombs maybe in like the course of like six minutes or something. And then I asked the guy, because some, some people, some people from Utah sometimes get offended when you swear because they're very religious. And I totally respect that. Like, I'm, I'm all, I never would curse if I knew they were religious. And then I said, like, you know, three F-bombs. And I, I just like asked the guy, I said, hey, are you, are you religious? Is this kind of like a little? And he's like, yeah, yeah. And he was like making a joke out of it. So now like, I'm a little more aware of my audience. But anyway, on a side note. So I was getting ready to close on this property today. It's closing on Monday. And this is where you need a good attorney. And then we'll start to summarize the show up. So. We're buying a property that is a condo in Rockland County, and there is a, a rule with the HOA because they're like dictatorships usually, and you can't rent the property for at least three years. Ouch. So here's where, yeah, it's the, it's stupid, but whatever. I, I guess they want to like preserve the overall you know quality of living there, even though it's not that nice anyway. It's like, I, you know, yeah. So anyway, this this communist organization, HOA, decides that, you know, that's the so I'm thinking in my head, by the way, we're buying this property and there's a tenant in place. It's a non-paying tenant. So he's technically like a squatter. And I'm like, OK, this is where and I'm talking to Rich, the guy I'm doing. I said, Rich, this is where we need to do some homework, because even though we're not going to be living in this property, we technically have a tenant in there. Yes. So I said, we need to get our attorney involved and we need to ask him some very specific questions because if it, the last thing that I want to happen is we buy this property, we say we're, we sign some affidavit that says we're not going to live there. They find out there's a tenant in place. And even if the tenant was a squatter, like they sue us or something. So we find out. They're, from fighting, the they're fighting you with thousand dollars a day. Every yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then we're like, no, now we've got ourselves an alligator and it keeps eating our profits. So I said, all right, you know, what we're going to do. We called John. He answered it. I said, we're going to call the HOA. I'm going to call the HOA directly. I'm going to say, Hey, this is exactly what I'm doing. Is this a problem? And she said, no. So we're good. However, people don't pay attention to details. Sometimes attorneys don't pay attention to details. That one or two minute phone call could potentially save you $200,000. That attorney saved you $100,000 by putting one word in the contract. Right. One word, 100 grand. That's a lot of money, man. So don't cheap out on attorneys or accountants or consultants. I mean, some people, like I, I was thinking about Airbnb and a property I have. And, you know, I had to pay the Airbnb company like 250 bucks for an hour to get a consult. And I would, I'm like, I was happy as a claim to do that because they know way more than me. And I thought that was a discount on their time. I'm like, I would have charged more, but you know what? I'm not complaining, <laughs> you know? So I'm like, you know, so don't ever like try to get alligator arms with paying experts for their time, especially attorneys. So anyway, Michael, any, any final things you'd have to say about auctions? If someone really wanted to like consider so let this. Me, let me talk a little bit about online auctions. We didn't yeah, get into online auctions. Yes. Okay. So for me, I view online auctions almost like a video game. And what happens to me is that I'll bid on a property. And then every time someone outbids me, I then want to go look and reevaluate where I am, 
some sites let you put in like a maximum bid, but some sites actually show that to the seller. So, oh, wow. so I don't know if I want to do that. You know, the idea is, oh, I'll just put in my max bid and walk away, but I can't. And a lot of these auction sites, if you bid in the last 15 minutes, the auction gets extended. So just a quick story that happened to me on Hubzoo once. I was buying property in Elmont. It's 30, That's your favorite area, man. You love El Monaco something Avenue in Elmont. And I won this auction and I was happy with the price was really what I, what I usually pay. And um, what happens with a lot of these auction sites is they outsource the, the document collection to India. And um, you have to send them like 10,000 pieces of documentation. And they usually give you like 24 hours to send them or they cancel it. So I, I sent everything that I thought. And then the Jewish holiday was coming up. Like we just had a million of in September. And I told them, and my attorney is Orthodox also, so it was going to be closed. And I told them, whatever you need, tell me today, because we're all going to be closed. And he goes, no problem. And inevitably what happened is they asked for something during this two-day holiday, and um, they canceled it. I was furious. I was livid. I was like, I can't believe I lost it. I was so angry. I'm like, I want to, I'm going to sue you for race, uh, religious discrimination. But in the end, um, in the end, I had no, I had absolutely no legal recourse whatsoever because until the contract signed, it's it's moot. So the auction, the property came up for auction again. By the way, come, properties come up for auction multiple times, all the time, and um, came up a second time, and it was a late. The auction was ending late, and like I said, every time somebody bids, it gets extended fifteen minutes. I stayed into my office till like two thirty a.m. to win the auction, and then I specifically didn't send the documentation just to screw them over. And then it came up a third time and I actually bought it for $20,000 less than the first time. So it has a very happy ending. But, but what happens a lot with these auctions is they come up multiple times. And for me, I, at the end, I'm always thinking, should I bid higher? Should I not bid higher? I'm rethinking my assumptions. And to me, it's a rabbit hole that once I get into, I can't get out of. So I have to force myself not to get into it. Every once in a while, I find myself going back. It's like, oh, there's three properties. I'll put bids in. But um a lot of them also now, a lot of the auction sites now require you to put up a, a refundable deposit just a bit, usually about 2000 or 2500 So that's good in that it keeps a lot of the loser bidders out. But there's a property on Hubzoo. It's in Franklin Square, which is a great area that I love to buy. But it, it's it's gone to auction, I think, 30 times already. Because every time they send me a property that you once bid on is relisted. Now, I don't know what's happening. But it's just nonstop. Like there's there's very little human interaction in these things. It's all done by computer. The computer just the computer just gives it's like an algorithm. I think I think the seller wants more. Like they, they don't a lot of these don't show their the seller reserve price. So you can win an auction a hundred times on a property, and the seller says, "No, I want more." That can happen too. So it's it's complicated. You very often can't get into it. Most of these properties are occupied also. Either and you don't know if it's by the owner or a tenant, or the cousin of the owner, whatever it is, or a squatter or whatever it is. So it, it's complicated. So I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend people get into it either. But you could also you can check, you can follow a property. Sometimes you can get in, you, and you and you can you can go to these sites and you can look at these properties. Sometimes you can get in, get in, get an idea what you would pay, and then just follow it, see what it sells for, because it's almost always going to sell to a cash buyer. So that also might help you. Um, and you can also maybe find who the cash buyer is to help build your cash buyer list. But, but um, I, for me, I would advise people against. For me, for me, it's it's bad for me. I know it's bad for me. I love doing it, but it's just a huge time suck, and it's a rabbit hole that I can't I can't get out of. Like it's it's like uh, it's like when I used to play Call of Duty. Like you can't stop. It's impossible. So uh, you used to play Call of Duty. 
I did like a long time ago, but I had to stop because I was, I would, I would just wouldn't. I yeah. It's like me with Tony Hawk skateboarder. I wouldn't get off the fucking the video I'll play till four in the morning yeah. when I had to get up at six and I, and I, and I, like I'd wake up in the middle of the night and go down and play. Cause it was just awesome. Like when it first came out, the graphics were crazy. It's like, I can't, there are things I know that I need to stay away from because they are not good for me because I just cannot control how much time I put into them. For me, that's what online online auctions are. So, but they, but they're, again, they're another tool that you can use if you're getting into the business to figure out what value, how to value properties and to get an idea of what people are going to do with properties. You know, sometimes you'll go see a property and somebody will buy it. You'll, you'll, you'll be scratching your head as to how much they paid. And then you realize, oh, they subdivided the property and built another house. Oh, they added another level that I didn't think of. So they did a dormer. Yeah. Beginners can learn from just following these properties and see what they sell for and what people do with them or what they sold them for eventually also. Totally. And they can also build their buyers list up that way. I mean, you can go and you can meet people and some, like you said, some buyers will be weird about like buying off wholesalers, but other ones won't and you'll make money. You know, it's like, can't go wrong, especially if you're brand new. I mean, you can, you can play call of duty or go to the auction and learn about real estate. I think the second option is going to get you wealthy in five years. You know, I'd much rather play call of duty, but you're right. Call of Duty World War II came out where you can like kill Nazis and Japs. It was uh when when uh, when did this come out? Oh a long time ago. A long time back ago. in the day. But yeah. the graphics were crazy and I I just I was just my kids were little and I would grab the controller from them and just take it. <laughs> Dude, my dad had this weird infatuation with this snowboarding video game. Like we got it originally when like we were like, I was me and my brother were probably like 10 and eight or whatever. And he would just get back for, he was a cop and he would get back from work. And the three of us would just be playing the snowboarding game all night. And he was like a fucking maniac with it. He was like 40 years old at the time. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? You know, but he was just, crazy with these video games i think the video games psychologically they get you hooked like i used to play tony hawk all night all night long all night long it was in, it was like a sickness these you know? video game companies like a lot of social media companies have tons of psychologists on staff oh to figure out what it is in your brain you know what what produces that extra shot of dopamine and make you stay crazy. on and it works it really works. i had to i had to get rid of tiktok i had to remove tiktok from my phone because really? because i couldn't stop watching it I'm I'm like that way on Instagram, so I delete Instagram now. But TikTok, it didn't seem as like it wasn't as wasn't as intriguing. Those bastards figured me out because I could not turn that thing. Literally, I go, okay, I'm the other way on Instagram. I'm yeah. just gonna watch for five minutes and then I look at it's an hour and ten minutes later. I'm like, what? <laughs> what the hell just happened? What 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 went on here? <laughs> That's yeah. Well, well, the listeners definitely got some bonus content here. So if they got value from the episode today, which I know they did, they got informed, they got entertained, they know how to do some auctions if they want to do it. Leave us a review on iTunes, copy this link, share the show, put it on social media, put it on TikTok because we're all addicted apparently. And um, I won't you know, see it but, it, but it, but it's good. Yeah, we'll <laughs> see everyone on the next episode. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.